This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Libby continues her summer vacation and returns next week. I hope you and your family had a wonderful long weekend and enjoyed your Canada Day. Did you happen to notice how Prime Minister Justin Trudeau especially was in campaign mode? Here is a portion of his Canada Day message on his Twitter feed. In the last four years, Canadians have created more than a million new jobs. Unemployment is at its lowest since the 70s, and across the country, 825,000 Canadians have been lifted out of poverty. There's never been more opportunity or more progress to share in. Prime Minister Trudeau on his Twitter feed, his Canada Day message. As for Conservative leader Andrew Scheer, he acknowledged that he wanted to make four stops across the country on Canada Day to meet in person as many Canadians as possible. His day included a visit to Toronto to the Etobicoke Rib Fest, where he notably did not stage an appearance with PC Premier Doug Ford, who also attended Rib Fest. Meantime, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh spent his Canada Day in his Burnaby South BC riding, a seat he fought to win less than six months ago. He also attended a festival, parade, and other afternoon and evening celebrations and added a little bit of campaigning to his celebrating, referencing several key NDP planks like pharmacare and reconciliation with Indigenous peoples. What do we make of electioneering on Canada Day? I want to hear from you on this. 416 360 0740 or toll free 1-866-744-740. Joining us now with their expert opinions, our Tuesday strategy panel. Today consists of Charles Bird, managing principal of Earnscliff Strategy Group in Toronto, who today is joining us on the line from Ottawa. Hi, Charles. And Michael Diamond, principal of Upstream Strategy Group, also on the phone. Hi, Michael. Hi, thanks for having me on. I'd like to hear, uh, we'll start with you, Charles, your opinions on the candidate day campaigning, and we can go leader by leader if you like, however you'd like to approach it. Sure. I, um, I will say that there is no better day to be Prime Minister of Canada than on Canada Day, and uh, Prime Minister Trudeau certainly took full advantage of it. Um, I think he was well within his rights to uh, tout some of our more notable economic achievements, such as the fact of a, a million jobs created in the last four years, unemployment at its lowest in uh, 30 years, and uh, most notably 825,000 Canadians being lifted out of poverty and a good many of them children. And uh, the Prime Minister was quick to say that's thanks to Canadians like you, which I thought was uh, a pretty great message, along with the idea that no challenge is too great if we face it together. Right. Um, uh, he, as- he, was, he, de- he definitely did not take ownership in terms of the way he stated it. He said you uh, on stage and he said we on his Twitter feed. Aha, uh-huh, indeed. 
Um, notably, um, I, I think Mr. Shear had a good day yesterday. Um, I was a little bit surprised by his decision not to attend the Toronto Pride Parade, because obviously in a pluralistic and uh, progressive society like Canada, that's the kind of statement that uh, others have chosen to make. I know Lisa Raid was there, and that was very good of her. Um, a bit surprised that Mr. Shear wasn't there. Well, that's interesting as well, because... Uh, had he been in the parade, that would have differentiated him from Doug Ford, who chose not to march, uh, because, as he says, uh, until uniformed police officers are allowed to take part in the parade again, he won't be doing so. So that would have been an opportunity for him to uh, to separate his image from Doug Ford's. Yeah, I, I think that's right. But I mean, Mr. Shear obviously has to be concerned about uh, his base, a good number of whom are social conservatives. Um, I, I recall him voting against same-sex marriage legislation in 2005, introduced by then Prime Minister Paul Martin. Um, so it, it's 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 a fine balance he has to strike in terms of uh, playing to his base, but at the same time not appearing too out of step with uh, ordinary Canadians. And Michael, your overall opinion of how the leaders did, I want to get to Jagmeet Singh as well. Well, I think uh, Charles makes a, an excellent point that uh, a, a sitting prime minister has both a responsibility and a opportunity on Canada Day, and I think uh, the prime minister exercised both of those well. It's obviously a huge platform. Uh, Canadians from coast to coast to coast tune in to watch the official celebration on Parliament Hill, and the prime minister did that appropriately and used used the advantage he had. Uh, Andrew Shear, I think, had uh, had an excellent day choosing to uh, campaign uh, from uh, the Maritimes to British Columbia with the stop in Ontario really showed a lot of energy and made sure he got in front of a lot of people. And to where you wanted me to go with this, I think, you know, once again, we're seeing a very lackluster performance from the leader of the Democratic Party who spent the day in and around his constituency in the Vancouver area, not a place he should be worried about. He should be uh, looking to expand and see as many Canadians as possible. Uh, but uh, he certainly, especially with a rising tide of the Green Party, has to worry about the home front. Right. I was surprised as well, because it, staying in the riding, uh, which you just won, where everybody is endorsing you, why would you not uh, visit other ridings across the country just to spread yourself out a bit? I'm, by staying in Burnaby, he was effectively invisible. Yeah, and he has a lot of caucus members and a lot of candidates who you would think would be uh, thrilled to host the leader for a series of events on and around Canada Day. Perhaps they just weren't uh, coming forward with the invitations because uh, Mr. Singh's really not resonating uh, with the Canadian people. We're seeing that throughout polling, and uh, uh, it's a huge opportunity for the Green Party, but um, not not good for uh, the uh, stalwarts in his own party. And Charles, your thoughts on Jagmeet Singh's Canada Day? Well, it's 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 difficult. I can certainly appreciate how important British Columbia is um, to his electoral fortunes, but um, he has um, he has a lot of work to do in places like Quebec, which still enjoys a good number of NDP MPs, uh, especially in Ontario, which is vote rich. Um, so it, it, it's difficult if you're him to know exactly um, where to go next. It's kind of like having multiple leaks in a dam and you've only got so many fingers at a given moment to uh, try to stem the flow.
Is it fair to say, and I'll put this to you as well, if you're out there listening, that there was a winner of the Canada Day campaigning, 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. You heard the news clips here on Zoomer Radio. Uh, you watched probably uh, the television news last night. Who do you think stood out as the strongest leader on Canada Day? 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Now, in terms of strategizing yesterday, and uh, this is where your strengths are, both of you, Charles Byrne and Michael Diamond, Trudeau spent some time in Ottawa's Riverside South. So that's part of Conservative MP Pierre Polyev's riding. And he was joined by Chris Rogers, who was the Liberal candidate who came second in 2015, losing by just under 2,000 votes. Is that Riverside South? Is that, uh, do you think, Charles, that could go Liberal this time? Well, it's, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, we're still a few months out from the election. I think there's, there's a, a little bit of a perception that Mr. Polev may be, uh, may be a bit susceptible this time. Um, uh, come with the, the coming campaign, but it's a long way out. And you sh- I don't think you can read too much into what um, individual leaders are doing um, on Canada Day. Obviously, it's a great opportunity to uh, to make your thoughts known. Uh, but at the same time, you know, Canadians are finally enjoying some pretty good weather. Um, they don't necessarily want politicians in their faces um, through July and August. So I think what we'll see is uh, a fairly tapered approach, a lot of low-key uh, local appearances on the part of leaders, but but for the most part, being conscious of the fact that Canadians just want to be left alone to some extent to enjoy their summer. Right. Uh, Michael, your thoughts on that? Look, if yesterday wasn't Canada Day, I think it would have been highly unlikely that the Prime Minister would have spent time in uh, the writing of, I believe it's Nepean now. Um, and uh, he, as we already discussed, had obligations as Prime Minister and a responsibility to be at the national celebration. Mm-hmm. So so, so he was a bit more hamstrung of where he could and could not be on terms of strategy. Uh, if you're looking at uh, what Andrew Scheer did, I mean, he was just showing a tremendous force of energy by flying from New Brunswick to Toronto to British Columbia yesterday. And I think you know, seems to have gone off well. So I wouldn't say that there's really a winner in terms of uh, who who did the best yesterday. But mm-hmm. I think uh, if you're looking at who is most worried about uh, keeping uh, keeping uh, the seats they have, it's uh, clearly the NDP. And I like the strategy that Andrew Scheer employed, Michael, that he uh, was in the ridings where the Conservatives held seats prior to the 2015 campaign. So these are swing ridings that could go either liberal or conservative come October. Oh, exactly. I mean, if you're looking at uh, Atlanta, Canada, and in New Brunswick, there's several seats in New Brunswick that the Conservatives have held for a number of elections and lost in 2015 when Justin Trudeau won uh, very impressively every seat in the region. So obviously that's an area where the Liberals can't grow and the Conservatives are going to need to grow. Uh, the uh, event in the GTA yesterday was in the writing of Etobicoke Centre, a writing that the Conservatives held, uh, won in 2011 by a very slim margin and lost it, but uh, with some uh, boundaries 
salary changes. Uh, it's it's a good prospect uh, for a pickup in Toronto, probably as strong as any in Toronto, and then and the same thing in BC. So, and Andrew Shear knows where the path to victory is for him, and uh, you'll I think see him spending a lot more time in the riding that uh, uh, were with the Conservatives in 2011 and went liberal in uh, 2015. All right, let's go to the phones now and see what you have to say about uh, the early campaigning on uh, the day after Canada Day. Let's go to George in St. Catharines. George, go ahead. You're on Zoomer Radio. Hello. Where was Maxine Bernier? Maxime Bernier of the People's Party. Yeah. Uh, do either of you know where he spent the day? That did not come up in any of uh, my readings this morning. It will well, let he him just on. got married. Uh, he just got married, I believe, last week. I'm not sure if uh, his new wife is a member of any sort of biker gang, but uh, I- I'm guessing he was in his riding. Okay, that's a reference to uh, <laughs> the biker affiliation of many years ago. He also, Jane, has to play, um, uh, there's a bit of a delicate balancing act for him because, as we know, Canada Day is not as robustly separated in uh, the province of Quebec, mm-hmm. where it's better known as Moving Day. A lot of people choose July 1st as, a, as the appropriate day to uh, move home. Um, and uh, so he may have been keeping it fairly low-key for, for those reasons. Right. It's a bigger, Jean-Baptiste Day is uh, arguably a bigger holiday in Quebec. Exactly, and it's the week before. Let's talk about the poll numbers, the latest DART poll that was out this morning suggesting Trudeau is now leading in Ontario with 40% support to Shears 34%. So overall now, according to this recent poll, the Conservatives have 37% support. Liberals are at 32, New Democrats at 17. All parties have seen increased support, the Liberals the most, with 8%. Charles, your comments on that? Well, the, the Ontario um, the Ontario numbers are certainly very heartening. I'd say at the outset, again, we're we're months away from the election, and um, a lot of things are going to change. We're going to see a tremendous degree of fluidity. But in terms of the Liberals being at forty percent in Ontario at the moment, that is a very very positive number. And one of the keys to Liberal success in Ontario really is where the NDP are at. And if the NDP are in the mid to to high teens, that generally means that the Liberal are going to win a lot of seats. And Michael? Look, I think, you know, polls this far out from Election Day are, are fairly meaningless, especially as, you know, we know that Justin Trudeau had a very bad couple of months since uh, January, February. Uh, it, it's been quite hard for him, so it's not a surprise to see him starting to rise again because he was artificially uh, deflated. Um, the polls are going to fluctuate. Uh, we're going to see, you know, the, the New Democrats are going to go down, but if the Greens are able to uh, get the uh, similar share of the votes where they're polling, which is historic been uh, uh, difficult for them. Uh, I don't think that's going to really matter uh, to the end results, uh, the, the decrease in the NDP support in terms of uh, getting liberals elected. So th- they're going to go up, they're going to go down. We're, we're now actually just entering the campaign period, so the game's on now, and I'm more uh, interested looking at polls in the coming months than uh, where we're at right now. Uh, pollster John Wright says the 40% support for Trudeau and the liberals is directly related to the declining support in this province for the governing PCs at Queen's Park under Doug Ford, and that Trudeau is benefiting from that solely, as opposed to because uh, Canadians in this province are impressed with him. What do you think about that? Charles, we'll start with you. Well, I defer to Michael, given that he's going to be uh, Doug Ford's next chief of staff, but... um, (laughs) 
I'll be Sherman on that one. Uh, um, but uh, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll just gladly point out, historically, you know, we will see Ontario splitting their ticket. And uh, when when you have a conservative government in power, that will often yield good results for the Liberals and vice versa. So nothing hugely surprising uh, in that, in my opinion. Michael, do you have some news to break here on Zoomer Radio? I, I said I'll be Sherman-esque on that, so there's uh, no, no news uh, for me on that file, but uh, the, the Premier's in good hands. Oh, the yeah, let me apologize to Michael for putting him on the spot. Okay, okay. More, more post-candidate humor than anything. Uh, right, a little inside baseball, I guess. For both of uh, you. Indeed. Yes. Indeed. I would just say in terms of uh, in terms of what you might term the Ford factor, um, I think the cabinet shakeup and, um, and and having a new chief of staff, possibly a new principal secretary in the premier's office will uh, will allow the premier to refocus his agenda. Um, you know, it obviously was a tough year. There obviously are implications for the federal campaign, and uh, Ontario is obviously critically important to the to that campaign, given that it represents 121 ridings out of 337, so well over a third. Um, and I think it's 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 probably prudent on the part of the premier to. Um, to agree to a little bit of distance, I think putting off the reconvening of the legislature uh, until after the federal campaign was probably a shrewd move, notwithstanding, you know, accusations that he's taking a five-month vacation. I don't think that's the case, but uh, it does show that there's a fair bit of sensitivity to what is happening at Queen's Park and how it might uh, impact on their federal cousin. Interestingly, in the last few days, uh, one of the brand new cabinet ministers is showing leadership skills, which I think are reflecting very well on the premier. And that is the new education minister, Stephen Lecce. Uh, just a few minutes ago, in fact, he was holding a Q&A at Queen's Park talking about the negotiations between the unions and uh, the teachers, the teachers unions and the government. He comes across as um, an empathetic straight shooter, speaks well, uh, seems to to be well-educated, doesn't seem to be putting a lot of spin on this story, which is going to be huge through the summer. And I'm wondering if a guy like that, who's going to get a lot of the questions of the summer, because that's the, really the only thing that's in flux are all of these teacher contracts. I'm wondering, Michael, if he's going to start to um, reflect positively on this government and change the tune altogether. Well, I think uh, Minister Lecce will reflect positively on this government, and that's why he was promoted. Uh, he's, you know, a, a consummate professional, I think, and uh, a uh, strong communicator who really, I think, can connect with uh, people from uh, every walk of life. So it was a very good decision to move him into a, a contentious, uh, a contentious file. Uh, and how much do you think, Michael, that will play into the way voters feel about their vote on federal election day if the teacher contracts are resolved and signed prior to the August 31st deadline? How much does that mean to the voter, considering there are a lot of parents in the province of Ontario? Um, uh, if, if voters were, if voters are heading in uh, to the ballot box in October, uh, thinking about Ontario issues and not federal issues, uh, that is probably good for the prime minister. If this election is about Justin Trudeau's performance as prime minister and Canadians' uh, satisfaction with that, that is good news for Andrew Scheer. I, again, uh, before we wrap up the segment, I want to make sure that you, the Zoomer radio listener, has an opportunity to weigh in in these uh, early days of the federal election campaign. Your thoughts about 
about how the various leaders are doing and strategizing and their messages and their substance. Most importantly, are they offering in substance what you want as a Canadian for the next four years? 416-360-0740. Toll free 1-866-740-4740. Uh, gentlemen, let's go back to what Justin Trudeau, what we were saying in the beginning of the segment uh, about his touting of the job gains uh, and all of the positives that he is, in many ways, rightly so, taking for himself and his government. Uh, how much of that is real and how much of it is fabricated, for lack of better words? Charles? Oh, I mean, those numbers are real and, and they're meaningful. But the context is, is a little bit unusual in as much as Canada's economic growth and its GDP growth is not nearly as robust as is the case in the United States at the moment. So, that, And that's one of the things that's uh, increasing the likelihood that Donald Trump may actually be reelected in 2020. Um, and in Canada, I think um, the projected growth is 1.9% for this year, 1.5% for, for, for next year, which is, which is um, okay, but, but not where we would want to see those numbers. Um, so I think it's quite appropriate and politically smart on the part of the prime minister and his government to focus on, on the job creation numbers, because obviously in, in, in downturns, jobs become a, a very, very valuable commodity. The economy cannot be one of the main issues. What do you think, Michael? Oh, look, I think uh, you know, the Prime Minister is wise to focus on areas of strength and success, and uh, uh, that, that we'll see him uh, talking about that more and not less, I think. Um, Canadians uh, feeling secure in, in their job, in their neighbor's jobs, uh, should, be, should be good for him. Uh, he'd be foolish not to talk about it. Let's go back to the phones. Colin in Toronto, you have a comment or question? Yes, yeah, just a quick comment. Um... Trudeau uh, loves to play with words, you know, like he, he boasts about his job creation, but he doesn't break it down and say how, you know, how many of those jobs are part-time jobs with no job security. You know, he doesn't go on and do that. He hasn't balanced the budget as he promised to do. So, you know, uh, he, he's, a, he, he's an utter failure as far as I'm concerned. So your vote, uh, do you failure. mind telling us where your vote is going come the, the fall? The only reason he's in is because all the people who were led into Canada years ago by his father, he's got the same name, and they'll continue to vote for that name. That's the only reason he's in power. Colin, I thank you for your phone call and, and for your opinion. Certainly, uh, everybody is entitled to their opinion. Uh, Charles, what about that idea? I mean, that was the that was the mantra of the Stephen Harper conservatives in 2015. He's he's not ready, and now I think the ad is that he was never ready. So this, I has he not shown us that he has more substance than style over the last four years, or is he still lacking that? No, I think obviously for any new government, um, there, there's a learning process. And I think, um, you know, the Ford government got off to a very, very quick start. And, um, you know, in, in a year into office, they're obviously experiencing a few hiccups. So it's, it's not, it's not unusual for a government to, to have difficulty gaining traction. But now, nearly four years into uh, the first mandate and hopefully en route to a second mandate, it feels like um, the government has a good handle on what its priorities are. It's made some meaningful progress in terms of the environment, not just on in climate change, but also in terms of reducing plastic wastes. 
the economy, while GDP may not be where we want it, obviously the job creation numbers are good. Uh, the Prime Minister's statement was 91 seconds long, um, so I, I don't think he could have been expected to provide a detailed breakdown of which jobs where and and how many. The, the other thing I'd say in response to, to your caller's reference to new Canadians that uh, Pierre Trudeau let into Canada, um, I think Michael would, would agree that um, those votes are not uniformly liberal. In fact, um, one of the successes of the previous Harper government was in appealing to folks specifically in the 905 who were new Canadians. And so to see them as sort of uh, just this homogenous block of, of liberal voters mm-hmm. is, is uh, a recipe for disaster politically. And Michael, your comment on that? Yeah, and uh, more more than I would take exception to that, Alberta Premier Jason Kenney would take exception to to that, uh, as would I think Brian Mulroney. So, uh, uh, new Canadians will often vote uh, vote uh, in in various ways, and they'll often swing elections, but uh, they are not owned uh, the own property of any one political party, nor nor should any uh, group be. So, I think that's uh, important uh, to uh, to point out. Now, as far as you know, the previous election, the the uh, ads on uh, Justin Trudeau just not ready, and the the relaunch from a third-party group of uh, Justin Trudeau was never ready. Well, once you're prime minister, that's an argument that really I think is irrelevant, and uh, uh, we don't need to talk about Justin Trudeau's qualifications for the job. I think where he is vulnerable is in those voters who he's disappointed by not being different from your typical politician. When you're when you're elected um, on on high hopes of change and, and major reforms and, and a new generation of leadership and doing things differently, it's hard to exceed expectations it's certainly even hard to meet expectations. So that's where the prime minister will will be vulnerable. Some of the ethics challenges the government has had, uh, which are not atypical of governments, but uh, are atypical of people who come in promising to do things differently. So that's where he's vulnerable. I think we'll see more communications on that uh, and uh, less on what didn't work four years ago. All right, excellent. Let's uh, give Elizabeth in Scarborough the final word here before we change topics. Elizabeth, go ahead. Hello. Um, I just wanted to say that, you know, unfortunately, Canada has lost its moral compass. Many things that turn, have turned around, and unfortunately for the worst, like trees. Trees are being protected. I know someone who was doing renovations. They had to pay a, a certain amount to make sure this tree wasn't touched. But yet, so trees are protected, but say babies in the womb are not protected. Things are just gone upside down. Well, I think it's been a long time since uh, we've been a pro-choice nation. I think you would agree, gentlemen, that that uh, argument, the pro-life argument, has been put to bed effectively. Either of you can weigh in on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not so sure, Jane. I think there's um, there's a good number of folks who um, feel very passionately about this subject and who remain steadfastly opposed um, to uh, the pro-choice movement in this country. But in, but in and, terms of that becoming an election issue or an actual legislative change, do you do you see that ever happening again? Yeah, I can I can see it happening. It, it in fact it it has a way of uh, popping up during election campaigns, and and frankly, it's often it's often the Liberal Party who will raise the issue because there there are legitimate concerns out there as to what a future 
socially conservative government might do oh, I in see what that you're regard. Saying. Yes. And, and it's and it's definitely something that 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 um, voters and specifically female voters can focus on. All right. Yeah, we saw Kathleen Wynne try and play politics with this issue with uh, the. Uh, protest ban and, and things like that. And, and, uh, conservatives are just getting better at, you know, not taking the bait. And, uh, as long as, uh, they, they do that, I think Canadians will only see it, uh, for, uh, politicking as it has been for several election cycles. Right. We will talk again, gentlemen. Thank you both for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Jane. Charles Bird, Managing Principal of Ernst Cliff Strategy Group in Toronto, on the phone with us from Ottawa, and Michael Diamond, Principal at Upstream Strategy Group. We will return to our Tuesday strategy panel a week from today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.